Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Self-Storage Income Podcast, the podcast where we are utterly obsessed with self-storage and everything about it. Developing, converting, buying, turnarounds, value adds, trends. Um, we cover it all, or try to. We're Every single episode, we're cu cutting away at things. But one of the big things that, as you guys know, that we try to do in this podcast, we try to do a deep dive. Um and really get to kind of the heart of some of the matters to help you understand uh, investing in this asset class. And today is uh, definitely one of those moments. We try to cut out fluff, um, and I want to get into a really important aspect of due diligence today. Um, due diligence, understanding what's a good buy, finding it, and how to go through the process to make sure that you are confident on your numbers and your decisions, because I think that's one of the biggest things that holds us back, is we're just not confident, is this a good buy? Is this not a good buy? Is my underwriting right? Is the market right? Is this going to perform? So I'm going to share you with you, I think, uh, uh, a trick or a tool that we use that everybody should use um, when doing due diligence and, and finding good buys or bad buys. That a pretty good summary of the podcast, Connor. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Going to be a good one. There's a lot of these things that uh, you know you don't know what you don't know until you start diving in and looking at all this stuff. And that's um, going to be a great episode for sure. Kind of dissecting what you need to be looking for, uh, what's out there, and how to work through that process of due diligence to decide whether or not it's a good deal or not. You know, yeah, it, looking it, good or what. So many times, I feel like we rely either on other people or brokers in the market market and one of the problems with that is it, it it abstracts you from actually seeing good deals and as everyone knows I'm really big on processes and procedures and systematizing and so I like processes of verification because it's about limiting down the things that you don't know and increasing the odds of what you think will happen actually happening. Um, and that's really what the probability funnel is. It's decreasing the amount of unknowns. So you're increasing your certainty and looking at the odds of the outcome. But before we get into that, um, I do have to mention our amazing sponsor, which is a great one to have because we brought them because of popular demand and that's Live Oak Bank. So many people were asking us about financing their facility. And I don't care if you're a first time or you have a portfolio of facilities, Live Oak Bank is one of the banks that can help you actually get it done. And there was a lot of reasons why we chose them to have them as the sponsor. Um, 
I'm very picky about our sponsors. We went for a long time without having any. Um, the sponsors need to be a resource that helps you get it done or do it better. Now, the first sponsor, Live Oak Bank, the reason why I like them is they're very dependent on the real estate asset and they act like a partner. Um, they work with you and they work all over the place in markets that a lot of banks won't go to. That was important for us starting out because we had a lot of problems with that and we needed a partner, someone that would look at the business plan of the asset and that's exactly what they do. Um, if you uh, need an SBA loan, they're pros in it. So the link, we have the link attached, check them out. And that also goes true to our, our second sponsor, which is Janus, from the standpoint of help you give you an edge in the marketplace. A lot of people know them, obviously, for the Janus doors, their metal fabrication part of it. They are the biggest, that's what they're well known for, but a lot of people don't know for is the Noki product, which allows you to do a touchless entry system. They're the only ones really in the market that even offer anything like this. They bought the company Noki, Janice did a long time ago, and it offers um, you to do online rentals and also rent it out, not just pay for it. Then they have to come in and do everything anyways. No, they can actually go through the entire process. So it's a true touchless system, which is a massive competitive advantage in the marketplace. So once again, both of our sponsors were chosen for a reason. One helps you get the deal done, helps become a partner. The other one gives you a competitive advantage in the marketplace and ushers in new technology so you can perform better. So check them both out. Their links are in the bio. Um, we are big fans of uh, both of them, obviously, and are grateful for to work with them and not in on this side, but on the business side, like the podcasting side is great, but exactly. the business side, that's the important side because that's how we make money. <laughs> yep, so. yep, for sure. <laughs> Definitely check them out. And you said link in the bio. You must be in uh, in uh, the Instagram mode. Yeah, is yeah, that, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Instagram <laughs> mode right now. So <laughs> check out the show notes, folks, uh, for those uh, for those links. Yep, awesome sponsors. Excited to have them on board and uh, supporting everything we're doing. It's great. Right. All right. Now for the good stuff. Okay. I love my probability funnel. So um, the probability funnel was developed out really as a way for me to help um, Brian in our office understand the process of underwriting and understand the process and how we go through things. And so I developed this concept to help teach him how he should underwrite and do diligence quicker um, and get more comfortable with the process and understanding the numbers so we can come up with an outcome faster that allows us to do more deals. It's a process that we go through, um, but I needed a way to explain it to him. So the probability funnel is a simple process that you go through where at the top of the funnel, the widest end of the funnel, the probability of something happening is really low, right? So the odds of it failing are like 90% at the top of the funnel or the outcome not occurring is huge. As you go down, your probabilities of failure is limited till where you get down to the bottom of the funnel, the probability of failure should only be like 10 to 15%, whereas your, your outcome is really well known. So how do we do this? And let's start out with understanding the valuation component of self-storage, which is a cap rate, right? That is net income divided by whatever the asset's worth or cost to you. Now, that means your net income is the primary uh, dictator 
of that cost along with outside value. So we op, we buy and have value based upon the revenue, right? And your net revenue. So understanding how the expense ratio and revenue is affected in this asset class is obviously um, the ticket. That's what matters. So the revenue in a storage facility comes in multiple lines, not just one. And, and people think of units all as doors. That's not how I think of it. Every single unit has its own supply and demand and its own customer. You're marketing it to certain people, right? You have climate controlled. You have small closet units. You have big units. You have businesses that buy. You have wine storage. There's a lot of reasons to utilize storage. So if you have 10 unit sizes, you have 10 products you're selling, people, right? We say this. I say this again. It was in the book. Uh, 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 how to turn a real estate into a thriving business, a real estate asset into a thriving business. That's what we're all about. Self-storage is a business, not just an investment. Act, treat it like a business. You're dealing with revenue. Um, and then the other side is obviously expenses, understanding what expenses really are and that you're not going to have surprises. So each one of these are line items. We have line items of expenses. We have line items of revenue. And that includes sales of locks, insurance, right, services um, that are included within your business. When I'm looking at a facility or I'm underwriting a facility, I'm looking, I say, okay, I have 15 line items of revenue and I have 15 line items of expenses. My job when I'm underwriting this facility is to understand how these things will perform, first of all, under my management. And second of all, how they will perform under the current price that we're giving this. So, right, is that price the right price or not? Will depend on the validity uh, or how valid of the revenue and expense ratios that you have are. So when we look at these two two sides, that's to understand the present value or the value that you're going to purchase it at. But there's also, for me, the more important, important side, which is where's the asset going, right? I'm a value-add strategy. I, I want to know my assumptions saying these are – these revenue lines are under market or I can get more. I hear this a lot and you get this from brokers that send performance. Oh, but under the performa, it's a 10 cap. Where'd you come up with these numbers? Do they actually sell and list them at those pro forma yeah, cap lot, rates? Yes, lots of people do. And, that is crazy. Uh, yes, and uh, we That's talk insane. about this. We made a YouTube video, and it yeah. has actually point this out. I say this all the time. Uh, I buy off pro forma. I just don't pay for it. Well, and so, it's, like, yeah, it's, you think that's it's not, obvious. It's not right? real. Like, it's not real, but uh, <laughs> that's so insane, dude. It's, yeah, that's how it works. So, understanding, um, you know, how much you're going to make or how much that asset will be worth in the future. And we don't gamble. This isn't guessing. So, there's a process in which we go through. If you took your PL or your line items uh, and your underwriting and you have each one next to it, even on our modeler, which is on the site, I'm not sure if Brian updated. I think he did. Um, but the people in our inner circle, we went through this all, and I gave them all the model. It has a little section that's under the probability. At the very end of the revenue, we tally up the probability of each line item of revenue. 
So when I'm looking at, and we just did this on a facility, and it was one of the primary reasons why we decided not to go with the facility. Because when I'm looking at the probability, I say there's a spread in the marketplace between high and low. This asset is right now charging a certain price for a 10 by 10. Let's call that price $50. Now, in the marketplace, some people charge 100 and other people charge zero, right? I'm just using, obviously, a made-up simple example. Maybe zero is not appropriate. Let's try something else. Again, let's make sure this makes sense or <laughs> you're going to be really confused. Uh, they're charging 100. The market goes from 150 to 50, okay? High and low. So some people just say, oh, the market's 100. Well, you can charge 100. Um, the problem with that is, is that's not taking into a whole range of things like quality, location, and occupancy. So the more you understand the marketplace, under that type of unit. So the more I understand what the market is doing for 10 by 10s and what the quality and demand for that price is at that $100 and that 50, the more I can align with the price that I can charge, right? Normally what I see is you can't charge 100 because you're comparing 100 to an extra space that's all climate controlled, right? Where you're a mom and pop gravel road drive up. Not that that's bad, but you have to be realistic about value. So your performance and at 100, you're going to be sorely disappointed when nobody wants to pay that price for that product. When really the lower end, maybe 50, you may not be there, right? Maybe you come in and say, well, we're going to pave it and we're going to do some nice things to it. Okay. Well then maybe you're at, instead of, uh, instead of a hundred, maybe you're at 135, so I have to then take and compare what I'm going to do to the asset, look at the other assets in the market, determine where their pricing is for that same quality. Then I have to look at their vacancy. So once again, if I want to shove all my uh, tenants from paying 100 to 150, but there is a, a lot of vacancy in the market and there's a lot of spots open at similar quality below $100, the probability of me achieving that is probably very low. So my probability when underwriting, I'm looking and saying, okay, they're underwriting all of these things at $100 or $150. They're charging 100 uh, right now. For that 10 by 10 line item, my probability of achieving that is probably 50%, right? Uh, maybe, maybe half the units I can actually get that, but then they're going to be vacant. I'm going to have to drop rates. I'm going to have to increase it. So they're very low odds or maybe even lower than that, that I can get that. Now I may go to my 10 by twenties though. Let's say 10 by twenties, they're charging 154 and the market can go up to 200, right? And then the low end is, is hundred, but that is a very tight market. There's no vacancy whatsoever. And the only ones uh, that are offering that product type or less quality than mine is, and they're bad operators. They're not marketing. They're not doing anything. So I actually say, I know that I'm going to market. I deliver a better product and a better uh, with a, a a better environment asset class. So I'm offering all of these extra things, so I can charge the two hundred dollars. And there's no vacancy whatsoever. So anybody that comes, my probability of achieving that's ninety percent. So now I have two different line items. I have a 10 by 10 and a 10 by 20. One, I have very good confidence that I can charge that top rate, right? So my probability of that is 90%. The other one, I have very low odds of achieving it, 
right? So that's at 50%, right? You blend the two and it's like 65% or whatever odds of me achieving that final number. So I do this with every single line item of revenue. And then when it gets to the bottom, we have on our idea of what the revenue will be moving forward on that asset and the probability of that revenue being correct. If it's under 85%, it's not reliable, right? Because once again, the revenue isn't just one door. It's made up of 10 and you got to merge the probability and you got to look at every single inventory. And when people are going, oh, that seems a little anal, right? You're like, dude, like really, is it that important? Let me share with you a, an example of a, a facility we bought. We bought a facility for $2.3 million. Um, the facility had a lot of 5 by 5s Why? Because 5 by 5s got the most per square foot in that market. So they had like 400 of them. Problem is, in a three-mile radius, there was no need whatsoever for 400 5 by 5s so the facility who it was a large facility, right? It was like a hundred plus thousand square feet. Um, they were at 60% vacancy. Now we came in and we bought it and we did an in-depth market study and realized the probability of us ever filling those up was so low that it was impossible. And we looked at the ones that we could charge the highest price for had the least vacancy and the probability of us getting the highest price for that unit type was high. And we changed all those units into the units that the probability was high for, right? That we bought it for 2.3, six months, we were at over 90% full. We were giving rate increases within a few years. It was worth over $10 million. Um, so so understanding the probability of you achieving those numbers is really important because that tells you where the home runs are. And now after we get done with revenue, we move on to expenses. This is a great one to understand because the probability has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with you. So an expense ratio that they come in and they're including in their small facility that has 20 units and they say, okay, um, we're not including any any salary in there because we don't have a person on site. Okay, but is somebody working? Who's cleaning out the unit? Who's getting it ready? Who's sweeping it? Who's doing the auctions? Oh, well, that's the owner. Okay, but is he putting time into it? Well, yeah, but he just takes it out of the profit. Okay, well, that doesn't mean then it's profit. That's time that's associated with running the business that has to be had. But there's no reason to argue that thing. So when I look at that, I say the probability of me on a salary line of having zero is also zero because the work has to be done. So I know I'm going to have to pay for it. So I have to put in a number that will associate with that. And as I go through and look and say, all right, this has vacancy, right? So let's say the storage facility has vacancy and they're doing zero marketing and their budget for marketing is $300 a year. Well, is the probability of me being able to achieve those revenues and fill that up at $300 a year, that's low. So I need to increase it to meet our numbers, right? So how you do and what we do with the probability on the expenses, ex expense probabilities should end up at 100%. And what I mean is once you get a quote that makes it actual, you have 100% guaranteed that that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. because you have a quote. So this is a, a way that you chip away at – um, and during your due diligence at unknowns, when you get done, you say, this is going to be the correct expense 
ratio, and we're 90% sure that that's going to happen. So now I have a very good outlook on revenue and a very good outlook on expenses. Now, this can obviously differ from people, and not obviously, it will, because your ability to perform at a certain level and the cost associated with you to do it is dependent on you. And that's part of the process. You need to understand what you can do and what you can't, what you have to hire out for, what your competitive advantage is. And during this probability uh, process, you'll understand when you get done, oh, the probability of me making this into a rock star is either really low or super high, dependent on you. This is how you find opportunity that's good for you. Be anal, line item this stuff. This is money. This is really, you You don't want to guess. We don't gamble in this business. This is a business. Know how you're going to run your business. Find the money that's sitting on the table, as we say. This is how you find it. And this is how you know that that money is really sitting on the table. Yeah, dude, I love that. Getting rid of the, getting rid of the unknowns as much as possible. Because, I mean, as we know, even going through that super, quote unquote, anal process like you're talking about, is there could still be unknowns that come up that you're not aware of that could be massive capital expenditures or anything else in the future. So getting rid of as many of those as possible is uh, obviously going to be ideal. And uh, yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that, man. That's fantastic. Um, So what, what are all the metrics in the funnel that we're using right now? So really the funnel as of now is a individual um, uh, uh, line item per revenue, individual line item per expense, and at the end we tally it up. There's three main things that I'm looking to that affect the probability. My execution ability, um, demand in the marketplace, and quality uh, and like quality of the product. Those are the three things that you need to look. Those will affect the probability higher or lower of achieving those things. Analyzing how you're going to sell a 10 by 10 and analyzing what you can do, analyzing what the demand in the market is, vacancies, and then an- analyzing that facility compared to others will help you understand if you can really achieve those things. Yeah, um, I like that. I, the other thing I like about this too is... Um, is you're going in with a plan, right? Like we hear all the time that storage is just this thing that you go and you buy and you leave it and they will come or you build it and they will come or whatever and everything's fine and it's automated. You don't have to do anything. Um, I love the fact that it's going through this process is this super in-depth dive into whatever market you're going into down to these specific product offerings that you have, how you're marketing them, how they differ, or how they're the same, whatever it is. I, I really love that just in-depth analysis that goes through the application of that plan to where you're not just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy that facility and then you know I'm just gonna make money. Yeah. It's it's, it's not that simple and it shouldn't be that simple because you yeah. want to do the absolute best and collect any money and all money that may be left on the table. Yeah. And, you know, going through this process also will help you with banks. It'll help you with investors. When you walk them through and show them the probability of outcomes that you've lined on every single expense and revenue, they're going to go, oh, you've thought this through. And and you know more <laughs> about this homework. than I know. Yeah. So that means I should give you the money. You should be the one that buys this an asset. It'll build confidence. It'll build that you're not gambling with my money. And the bank will look at you and say, you aren't doing this willy-nilly. 
Um, it's a process that you will go through and you will understand better what you need to build to execute on those things. Um, so yeah, it's a funnel. You need to go down all the way through the funnel until your outcome is known or it's mitigated. I mean, you risk will never leave. Okay. This is a very free risk will never leave. Good point. You're mitigating, not eliminating risk and you mitigate risk through eliminating unknowns. That's what you can do and control. So you can check it out on the website. Um, I think we have the calculator cut and done. And two, I'm going to make a YouTube video of this. I need to because. Yeah, that'd be great for sure. Kind of walk through, walk have that through visual, and, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that would so, be awesome. Have you guys, real quick, have you found anything that's like you look at a certain market or you look at certain things? Have you had any surprises when you guys go through that funnel yet? Yeah, this 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 new one that we just said no to, which was that conversion, that we were very surprised. And this is a great example because we were in a market that we thought there is no way that this market's not tight. There was only six square feet per capita in this market. And we assumed because of the overall numbers that we were looking at, that it meant that there was high demand. But then approaching it and analyzing it, each single unit, we found, wow, most of these units, the probability of us achieving the higher rental rate in this market is low because of discounts, vacancies, and things that weren't readily apparent. And because of that, when we got done, our probability was only 60% to achieve a certain number. We walked away from the deal. It was 60? Yeah, yeah 60%. No, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't see it on the, uh, the probability funnel side. I did see... On that deal, the uh, the heat availability map. and the heat map and and all those aspects to to that and that was like definitely some some uh, some red flags popping up for sure and and again like you say which is crazy because there's not a lot of markets that you find that I mean the, the area that we were looking at wasn't super developed but it wasn't like yeah tertiary or anything I mean it wasn't no exactly like, there there weren't reads but at the same odd. time it was a oh, it was a large market there was yeah. stable employers campuses, college campuses, big employers, (laughs) and there was low square footage. And so we, we were shocked and it, and it goes to show that no matter how good you are, which I I thought it was a home run. I did. I was like, oh, this is a no brainer. It wasn't until we did a really deep dive that we realized, oh, it's not. And and I, and immediately I sat back and I wondered who would have pulled the trigger on this? What other storage developers would have pulled the trigger because everything on the surface looked good. And I thought, I bet you eight out of 10 would pull the trigger. And they would be shocked once their numbers come in. Because it was so apparent. We were never going to hit high targeted revenue models. It it was just there. It's not going to happen. Um, So it wasn't even one that we're like, oh, well, maybe it could turn out. Maybe it couldn't. No, it it wasn't going to happen. And uh, at first glance, that was that shouldn't have been the case, right? Yeah, I, I, this is the first one that I've seen where there was low supply and well, large supply and low demand. Yeah, yeah, first time. Yeah, and it, it's honestly that the first degree. time that I thought that one was going to be a home run, uh, a market that was going to be a home run, and I was so far off. Mm-hmm. Which I'm fine with. I don't care being wrong. Uh, in fact, I, I like it because we get to learn from it and use case studies, um, and it means we didn't do a bad deal. Uh, so 
which we would have never done because that was part of the process. So it's not like we got lucky or anything. It was just, it happened so late in the process because of the probability map. That's what surprised me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was (laughs) like, wow, yeah, we can't do this. You know, amazing. We spent a lot of time on this and got to it and there was this low, but it's, you know, just how it was. It's what it it is. Eight out of 10 times, those numbers would have played out well. So, but it shows though why it's important to understand probability on every single line item and really understand the supply and demand of those things. 100%, so. man. No, I love it. I love it. Well, also, guys, we released a new YouTube. Um, yes. Check it out. It's a big one, like 16 minutes, information galore, everything. Check them out, guys. And two, help us out. Give us a great review. Like this podcast or rate it. Give us a five-star. Um, we are doubling down on content for everybody. Uh, so it, it's been a huge goal and check out the new upgraded YouTube. Oh, dude, uh, it looks so good. Yeah. We hope you guys like it. We're it looks <laughs> a little better than like the little videos little that better. me and AJ used to like throw together. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, no, it's yes. so sweet. It looks awesome. So definitely check it out guys. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks everybody. And until next time.